Hello, friends, and welcome to this new Interviews of a Series with guild leaders and key opinion leaders in our industry, guilds, GameFi, and the Metaverse. I am Jeremy, co-founder of Crypto Guilds, LinkedIn of the Metaverse. Today, I'm interviewing uh, Sam, who wears uh, multiple hats and has a lot in his plates right now. So my very first question to you, Sam, is, well, who is Sam? Who are you? Yeah, sure, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, right. So in brief, uh, I, I sit on a couple different roles. First of all, I'm a partner over at HiveMind Capital. HiveMind raised a little bit over a billion dollars earlier this year to allocate across broad Web3 ventures. Uh, we do things uh, in a, in a multi-strat fashion. That includes things like a liquid trading vertical, a dedicated venture vertical, a dedicated gaming vertical, staking and infrastructure, etc. Uh, then beyond that, I also run Playground Labs. And at Playground Labs, we house all of my dedicated engineers across blockchain, full stack applications, uh, et cetera. And we build out specific Web3 gaming infrastructure pieces as well as games. And so the very first infrastructure piece that we've put out is the Capital DAO. Uh, and the Capital DAO is this you know, kind of major fundamental uh, tech component of any Web3 asset management stack that basically enables organizational structure uh, and hierarchy. So you can have delegated assets, uh, admins who own assets, who then delegate to managers, who sub-delegate to players, et cetera. And it's an enormously powerful uh, set of software tools that industry leaders like YGG, for example, have already noted is, um, is, is very clearly you know, the way forward. And they're partnering very closely with us to make sure that the product aligns uh, you know, with these key industry standards. So uh, all of that taken together is uh, in a very quick nutshell what we do. And then beyond that, we also obviously internally develop games over at Playground. And you'll see a couple more announcements from us uh, here over the next month or two, actually, on one that we're putting out over in the Algorand ecosystem. And so with that, Jeremy, I'll, I'll probably pause and turn it back to you. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to unpack there. So I'll, I'll come back to it uh, shortly. I just, first of all, I want to ask you if, like many of us, you've, uh, you know, in this industry, a lot of builders have played World of Warcraft. And this actually is important for many, like myself. So actually, did you play World of Warcraft too? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think I, I, I probably peaked back in the original Wrath uh, when my guild was the fourth to down Heroic Malagos. So that was wow. that was probably my peak. It was, it was all downhill from there, though. But yeah, no, I, I was a, a rabid WoW player. I've played probably every expansion since Classic, wow. uh, you know, all, all types of activities. All right. So you were a guild leader. And let me guess, uh, you played Rogue. No, close. I did like Rogue back in uh, back in BC, but Locke mostly. So so Warlock pretty Locke. much the way okay, through. Yeah, okay. yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Damn, normally I'm pretty good at that. But you, you, got, <laughs> you got me there because your your avatar actually makes me think of a rogue. That's why. Ah, neat. Yeah, no, my my avatar that I usually use across socials is uh, it's a a max level hit points cape from old school RuneScape, uh, uh, yeah. which is you know the the other throwback that the OGs like. Yeah, that's true. All right, so I wanted to know before we dive more into what uh, you do exactly with uh, Capital DAO Playground, uh, more about Hive Mind Cap. So I was uh, as uh, looking a bit. But I couldn't find uh, uh, too much information. So it's uh, it's a fund that you raised about one billion. You're actively investing in different projects, but like, is the portfolio available somewhere or not? So what is what is uh, going on there? Yeah, we obviously keep it pretty tight under wraps. So uh, HiveMind in general, you won't hear me talk a ton about it. Uh, and the reason is, is because it's a, a very, very tight compliance, uh, highly regulated entity. And most of what you see from us is going to be coming out in press releases over the next couple months. I believe there's also a website in the works that's going to be going up here momentarily to give you guys a little bit more information about what we do. But broadly, you know, you should see us as participating in almost every facet of, uh, you know, the crypto and Web3 economy. So over on the HiveMind side in particular, 
I control everything related to gaming. And so we've done a number of relatively high profile gaming deals over the past couple months, some of which still aren't fully disclosed. Uh, and you should expect those to sit everything, you know, across content pipelines to infrastructure to, you know, major esports teams and marketing plays. Uh, we, we've really touched on every aspect of that infrastructure. Okay, and so you're partner at Hiveman Cap and you're CEO of Playground Labs, which releases uh, several projects. Capital DAO is one of them, if I'm correct. And uh, so you are 28, correct? Yeah, that is actually correct. Yeah. I'm so we're very similar. I'm 27, and uh, so one year difference actually. I just turned 27 like last week, and I'm very impressed by what you do at your age. So how, how do you manage to, how come you, 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 you came to do all of these things, like managing a partner in a billion dollar fund in the same time, managing a multi-million dollars startups in crypto? Yeah, Jeremy, it's, it, I, I've always been the youngest in the room, so it's, it's usually no, no new scene for me. Um, all of it is, is frankly just due to dedicated teamwork, though. The only thing that I do exceptionally well is I'm organized, right? So I make sure that everyone has a complete and coherent strategy for exactly what they need to execute. And then all that we do is we hire and we fill spots and we competently assign tasks amongst those individuals. So everything that we do and that you see is principally, you know, by the, the hard labor of our engineers, uh, you know, our, our strategists, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, for, for my part, I do what I can to just enable those people to really chase down the individual tasks that they each find most fulfilling. And I feel it's obviously very powerful as a manager to make sure that whatever you're, you know, asking individuals to do, that it's actually what they would have done in the first place, regardless. And so I always try to just let people almost choose the job themselves and then empower them to really chase that down, you know, all the way. And I found that to be a highly effective strategy across the board. And you have, so you have background a bit in, in software engineering as well, right? So my background is very strange, actually. So I have a PhD, uh, but the PhD is not in anything related. Uh, it's in organic chemistry. So most of my work previous to this has been in, you know, hardcore academic research, organizing teams around projects like that. Um, most of what I've done prior to my life, uh, prior to my life here in Web3 is basically taking these really esoteric ideas, um, things like, for example, uh, contorted organic molecules for solar cells or capacitors. So that's right? on your LinkedIn. Right. I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Very, very esoteric ideas, right, that are extremely removed from everyday life and boiling that down into a concrete set of examples that most readers can understand. And so that's actually a translatable set of skills uh, in the Web3 area where basically everything that we do is an esoteric mess, right? And it's complex to explain to people exactly what's going on, you know, uh, on chain and what's under the wraps of these different projects. And how did you, so you, you were, you kind of skyrocketed to this position and all these different positions. Uh, how did you start? Did you start with connections, hard work, being extremely competent and giving a good impression around you? How did you build that so quickly and so efficiently? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's it's a combination of both being early and then having really, really solid written thoughts and plans that people can concretely analyze and understand. So when I first migrated over to crypto after leaving Goldman Sachs, uh, I moved into Floating Point Group, which is an entity that basically provides A to Z services for hedge funds that are moving into Web3. So that's everything from institutional custody to exchange access to smart order routing, et cetera, the whole nine yards. 
So during my time there, obviously, I accrued a lot of the, um, you know, industrial know-how that's necessary to operate in a regulated Web3 capacity. Uh, and with that, I was kind of able to take my own personal lens and experience both in gaming, as well as this very large community that I grew from the grassroots up to around, you know, 50,000 folks over the course of a couple of months. Uh, and I combined all of that in one neat little package, which we then called the Capital DAO. And from there, I was exploring with my partner, Matt Zhang, on the different verticals that he wanted to take Hivemind in. Uh, and, you know, he, at the time, he thought that everything that we put together was, you know, obviously fantastic. And he wanted to explore deeper on the gaming side, as much of Web3 does at the moment. Uh, and so together, we basically, you know, formed this dual set of entities uh, and kind of charged forward in, um, you know, in, in, in kind of recognizing that there's quite a lot of value to add to both ventures, uh, you know, and LPs on the hive mind side. And then there's actually quite a lot that you can still build. And that's where we do the building on the playground side. And so Nets, you know, my rise through the ranks here has mostly been due to the fact that I came in already having constructed things. And I came in with that, you know, institutional mindset and the background, you know, to kind of understand where people's sensitive soft points may be when they try to institutionalize a couple of these more complex web three elements uh and I, I wrapped all that up in one neat little uh project package essentially all right so kind of simultaneously you uh raised these funds i mean hive mind raised and you kind of became entrepreneur in residence in the same time so this correct so it it happens obviously in a very at very fast pace but also in the way you talked about management or organizing it's like you give a lot of autonomy to people around you very organized kind of decentralized are you also operating decentralized uh, yeah so um playground itself uh is entirely decentralized so playground has no office playground will never have an office um all of our contributors and developers are spread across uh i think we have every continent except africa at this point which we are still actively recruiting for um but yeah we 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 believe pretty strongly in just enabling people to frankly push code on their own time so i don't actually care when individuals work uh, it's completely irrelevant. All that we care about is product output and making sure that you fit in, you know, with the culture of the team. So everyone over on the playground side is obviously super responsive, uh, super digital native. People play games together, right? People are having fun together. They're building products together, you know, designing, etc. But all of it is more or less on their own time. And to date, that's actually been a good, you know, decent chunk of why our products have been successful and why over a period of eight months, we've actually managed to meet the promise of Web3 gaming infrastructure. We're so many other companies have really struggled and failed because it is a fundamentally complex set of engineering problems that really requires a ton of passion and autonomy to dig into. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for all these uh, answers. Pretty clear now. Uh, what is something that's maybe not going to be clear? What is a guild for you? Oh, that's a great question. So I, I kind of sit on the Web2 side of the equation, right? So I think that guilds recently, you know, they got a bad rap. Everyone says, oh, guilds are just collections of players that come in, they dominate ecosystems, drain the economy, extract all the value, and then leave. And I don't think that could be farther from the truth. I think that that's a very, very short-sighted way of seeing the situation. A guild, almost by definition, is a collection of players with a shared common interest. And then in the Web3 capacity, you just add in a capital base on top of that. So now you have a collection of 
players with a shared common interest and a dedicated capital base. And that is almost exactly what every single Web3 game is attempting to cultivate, is that type of demographic and player base. And so to me, it's it's actually crazy that people are, uh, you know, at least for the past couple months, and I think sentiment's going to turn here pretty hard in a bit, but people are really rallying against guilds saying like, oh, they're just extracting value. Um, over the next couple months, what you're going to see is that people actually come back to the guild model because there's going to be too many games that are coming online. And I see this both from my VC seat as well as from our builder seat, uh, that there's just an astronomical number of games. And the surest way for a game to king make itself in an ecosystem where it's hard to rise above the noise is to partner with as many dedicated sets of player bases and capital as you possibly can, which are the guilds. And so over the next you know six to nine months, I expect to see that the majority of the guilds uh, are going to be extremely popular because all of these companies with all of these different games that have raised millions of dollars in funding, they will need players. And those marketing dollars have to go somewhere and it's going to go to the guilds. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I'm very biased there, but I, I, I pretty much share your, um, your opinion. Our, our, so our thesis is pretty similar. We think that basically you do not start a business in the metaverse, but you launch a guild. So my definition or our definition is a bit broader in the way that we define guild as a gamification of a company. So if you're going to do anything in the metaverse, it's, it's going to be a, instead of a, a company, but a guild, gamified company. Uh, a guild can be a DAO or cannot. And that's convenient sometimes to operate a business in the metaverse that is not a DAO. And we also, uh, so yeah, we I think actually that right now is a great time to launch a guild in the way that you can simply go to many games and tell them, okay, um, uh, if you give, if you ensure me that you're going to give me all these NFTs for free, I will bring you this amount of players. And then the, the games can basically vest all these NFTs based on performances and you out of nowhere with no capital, because right now there are many games, tier two maybe, that will not even sell you NFTs. They just want to ensure that you're going to bring them players that are going to give you NFTs in exchange of you bringing players later on. So I think that there's quite an opportunity there uh, to... Uh, kind of gather a lot of uh, of uh, future uh, options to get NFTs for free, and build your portfolio like that out of out of nothing. I don't know yeah, I think that's very fair. No, uh, th there was actually recently an article about how there's there's almost never been a moment in history where it has been easier to you know monetize having eyeballs and to really capitalize on having that than it has been to do the inverse, right? To like actually you know go out and have the business of acquiring eyeballs. And so these these guilds and these influencers, people with dedicated audiences, these people have so much leverage right now in the current market. And if you are someone who is able of you know collecting a crowd around you and really building you know any type of a following at all that is enormously enormously valuable uh, especially you know again in the context of what I predict to be a massive onslaught yeah. of new content of new games coming out you're going to have like a new banger come out every month and th there's just not going to be enough players to keep up with it and so at the end of the day it is going to be you know the organizations that hold all of that power uh, within that certain dynamic. Okay. Uh, about Capital DAO, so if I could try to sum it up and you tell me if I'm wrong, it is an all-in-one cross-game, cross-chain uh, management tools for uh, guilds and like organizations that uh, operate with gaming assets. 
Yeah, uh, th that's a fine way to say it. Again, it's it's an extremely, extremely complex set of tools and uh, engineering. So I, I think the easiest way to frame it, frankly, is that the Capital DAO builds software. So the DAO itself is essentially a software entity. Uh, you know, it houses a large number of these engineers who produce really, really complex software engineering tools, both on-chain and off-chain. The first of those tools, uh, and we're going to come out with some rebranding here momentarily after we get some really neat sites spun up. But the first one is Heimdall, which is what you just explained. So Heimdall is uh, essentially this you know set of asset management tools that enables anyone who has web3 assets and wants to delegate them to other people down a chain to basically use the software to pass along permission sets in a real organizational hierarchy so that means that if you know you're building uh the world's next giant um, bank or something in the metaverse okay and you have a thousand employees there is in the current status quo, absolutely no way for you to, for example, nominate managers of other employees and nominate different asset sets, nominate rules, you know, so that you can have certain people use certain assets in certain capacities. Uh, and we've essentially constructed that entire suite. And the best part is that this is not like a promise to construct that thing. It's already done. Uh, so this thing is already live. Yield Guild Games already actively uses it as well as a number of other guilds. Uh, and we've already provably enabled, you know, these delegated features inside of game environments that had no route to native delegation without us. And so that's obviously an extremely compelling point for a large number of these games that we've now partnered uh, with, I believe it's now over 50 games who want us to go turn on delegation in their ecosystems, just because it's no lift to them. It costs them nothing. And for us, it's, you know, 100 to 200 lines of code, and we can be, we can have them, you know, onboarded into the platform immediately. Wow. So, so, so this is the, the main product. This is the main problem you're trying to solve. It's management delegation. So related to lending as well what we used to 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 say at crypto gears we think so nft lending is essentially the fuel of the metaverse economy what what is your take on that yeah i i think lending is fine i mean uh, credit assets obviously fuel the, the global economy to a huge degree and there's no reason that it shouldn't be different in web3 regardless of the fact that most virtual electronic assets are not credit type assets so the ability to turn you know assets into a credit type asset via a loan or lending system yeah it, it obviously improves the velocity of capital through the uh through the entire protocol and system uh where we kind of stand on that is that we approach it first from a large institutional standpoint. So we say if you have hundreds of thousands of assets and you want to contain them within your unit, you know, here you can self-delegate, self-promote and manage inside. Um, I think in about, I believe that the engineers have it slated for about in a month. Uh, we're going to have a public facing page uh, whereby you, you use exactly the same infrastructure and software that we already have, but guilds can essentially just select uh, overflow scholarships where they don't have enough dedicated internal people to manage the assets. And it just automatically posts it to an external page and people can easily pick it up uh, at their leisure. But it all works within the same software stack. So, okay. So in an ideal world, where do you see it in two years? So in two years, and this is uh, something that only a couple of our investors have, have really picked up on and they've loved it, uh, the, the software stack is agnostic to its intent. And what that means is that obviously we started with gaming because gaming makes a lot of sense right now. It has high commercial value. There's a lot of retail flow through it. Uh, there's a lot of institutional interest, obviously, YGG, et cetera. But the platform itself 
uh, at its base really just enables people to subdelegate permissions over digital assets in any capacity. So you can imagine in two years, for example, uh, should any different set of digital assets, be that actual you know, liquid trading funds, uh, be that NFT or art funds, et cetera, all of those different components that exist inside of a digital ecosystem, which to date have no way of maintaining hierarchical delegation structures and large scale organization, we can easily port the exact same technology with a simple reskin into each and every one of those subsectors. And so the objective here, you know, over the next two years is really to see the entire protocol become the de facto backend asset management tool of the entirety of Web3. And that's a much broader objective that it's not going to be immediately obvious to users at the beginning how we're going to accomplish that. But the key to that is that the backend of what we've already built and already deployed is so agnostic to its purpose and it's built in such a scalable fashion that we can easily redeploy this into every single sector across Web3 and enable that form of organizational structure where it just didn't exist before. Okay, well, I'm I'm extremely bullish on that. This is definitely something that, for instance, at Crypto Guilds, we, we want to 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 use, you know, offer as a service or to our partners. Like it's it's basically what we do is we don't develop uh, any kind of uh, complicated tech, and we rely on people like you to to do the bad, to do the hard work. So please make it happen. <laughs> no, that's no problem at all. You know, we, uh, we, we internally don't do a ton of marketing because we're just heads down engineers at heart, you know, and we, uh, we really do trust that given the way that the capital DAO ecosystem is structured and the fact that you have to pay for a hundred percent of these platform fees in the cap token itself, we expect that to drive, you know, the true utility of the platform, uh, in due time. So we appreciate, you know, the co-marketing that we do with you folks. Yeah. And talking about the the token, so you just launched your token. Uh, I think you had like LBP. So is it? I think it's liquidity bootstrapping pool. Um, now it's live. So I checked. It was uh, today at around seventeen cents per per cap, if if I'm correct. So that's uh, approximately hundred seventy million dollar market cap uh, fully uh, diluted. Impressive. What uh, what can you comment on that? We had extremely strong turnout. Uh, so in the balancer, in the liquidity bootstrapping pool itself, um, I don't know if you've looked at any historicals here, but over the past four or five months, almost every other balancer pool has pretty much gone straight down. Uh, and, you know, that really signals, you know, both to us, uh, given the minimal amount of marketing that we've done to date, the interest in something like real fundamental engineering plays and the importance of all of these kind of co-marketed partnerships because you know our investor base obviously includes five of the top blockchains right you have algorand polygon solana poly uh who else hbar near um as well as you know a number of super super key uh vc and game players that are in the mix and i think that that in combination with these 50 other games that we managed to partner with over the past couple months that was really really the key uh that drove the amount of success that we saw in the pool there yeah, no, and, and huge congrats because I've I've been following uh, you as well for for a couple months. I mean, we we started as well a couple months ago, and we tried to 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 you know like find some great partnerships and some great uh, funding at the beginning. We had we grew a lot and we have good partners, but funding, no, not really like that. So we're working differently. But what you've tr what you've pulled out is something that I wanted to do, kind of not in terms of pro product development, but finding this, all these people, like if you have all the big guilds, all the big uh, chains and all the big VCs and games, well, I'm just so impressed. So congrats, that's uh, really, really hard. I mean, I know exactly what it is and this is impressive.
No, thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, we uh, and, and you know, I, I know that we spoke a very long time about, ago yeah. about crypto guilds in general, and I'm, yeah. I'm frankly stoked to see you guys driving ahead with it. I know you guys are doing a great job. Thanks. So I have two uh, kind of last questions that I ask uh, older guests here. I don't, I'm not a fan of the terminology of scholars, scholarships, and I, I wish the whole industry could come up with something new. So I'm trying, I'm here, I'm uh, making kind of a poll, asking people around. For instance, Sasha from Polymos, he told me that he, he was thinking about a yield program and yield uh, partners. What is, what is your take on that? Uh, we try to just call them players. So in inside of the app still, we have, you know, things that are labeled scholarship. It actually drives me crazy too. I hate yeah, seeing it every I time I see it. it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I just want to call them players um, because at the end of the day, what I want people to take home and really abstract here is that you, you know, in, in a year or two, you will effectively be doing the same as we were back in the day playing World of Warcraft. It's just your effort inside of those games is optionally fungible, right? So you optionally, you know, can, you know, take the value that you accrued in that game and move it to a different ecosystem in some capacity. So I prefer actually to just call them players and then, you know, they have assets. And so we equip our players with the best assets so they can perform inside of these environments, you know, and if they uh, happen to generate value in some capacity and that's monetized, that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, right, we're, we're just equipping the players with the best assets that we possibly can. Okay. So players. Players, yeah, just straight web too. We're going back players. to games and players. And, That's it. And, and okay, and and so scholarship as a name, like as a concept of. No, I yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I. Uh, I, I, I don't think that it's going to have a lot of credence in the future. And again, okay. if we if we think back to the way that, you know, we all used to play WoW or RuneScape or anything, yeah. I, if I loan someone an item, I, I didn't call it a scholarship. I was just loaning no. them an item and that's it. Right. So it's just it's just assets, items and players. That's it. OK. OK, perfect. Uh, and then I have the, the meta question. The meta question is uh, if life is a game and you can uh, go up to level 100, what is your current level? Oh my, what is my current level? I'd hope 10. I genuinely hope that I am at level 10 uh, because there should be, there should always be more upside than downside. And we're each looking for that 10x. So I genuinely hope that at my current experience level in life, I'm only at a 10. Okay, that's a, that's a great answer. Many people, I mean, many people, I didn't interview so many, but they say they relate to their age, actually. Oh, really? Interesting, yeah. interesting. Uh, which I wouldn't do as well. Uh, I would do something more similar to you. Yeah. And how do you how do you win the game? How do you win in the game of life? Uh, oh boy, that's that's a tough question. That's I suppose you, question. you 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 get to the end and you look back and you're happy with your imagination and creativity and you you see the people and the relationships that you've built and you don't have too much regret about the situation. I think that's that's probably the best outcome. Okay, fair enough. So you're a 10 out of 100 to get there. So you better I've got not a long way soon. to go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, thank you very much, Sam. It was a, it was a pleasure to have you for this uh, this interview. Uh, everybody, you can uh, check on the on the description. Uh, Capital DAO, also uh, Sam's uh, personal Twitter. Have a look at Cap. Should I buy Cap now? Uh, I certainly cannot tell you to do that, <laughs> but you can make your own decision. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is financial advice, certainly. Okay, okay. I almost got you there, but... No. Almost close, close. Yeah. <laughs> you're strong, you're strong. I can see that. All right, so, and and we'll see each other for another uh, episode um, because you're also a member of the Tavern, which is a Shark Tank of the Metaverse, where we basically have games pitching to guild leaders and VCs. Absolutely. All right, so it was well, a pleasure. Jeremy, thanks a, yeah, thanks a bunch for having me on. Thanks, bye.
See ya.